the Oakdale Christian Centre podcast. During the summer months, members of our church volunteer to lead Bible studies as part of our Thursday night Christian growth meetings. In this session, Mike leads a study into end times, the rapture and the second coming of Christ. So it's really on the rapture and the second coming. What we got, where we got to last time is we talked about the whole of Gentile history. Um, the last study was on where, where are we in God's timetable? As far as the word of God is concerned, and we know, and we you know, as we went through the um, the dream and the vision that God gave Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. and the interpretation from Daniel, we saw that we were at the feet of the statue, mm-hmm. which is really the European superstate and all that it stands for. And from there, the Antichrist will rise uh, from that. So, as you see on the front of the uh, picture, it talks about the seven world empires. Really, we're not interested in the first two. Uh, they were battles that Babylon had to take on. Um, to actually uh, become the leader of, of the world, of the known world at the time. Um, but really the Babylon, the Medo-Persians, uh, the Greece under Alexander the Great, and then Rome. So according to God's word, uh, and like I said from where we finished last time, we are nearing the time of the Great Tribulation. It's one of the next events that is on God's calendar, where God said he would judge the earth in his wrath. And for us to understand the rapture, we need to understand the coming of Christ, because there's two different things, the rapture and the coming, the second coming of Christ. And we need to learn some fundamental truths from God's word. Many people over the years have got really mixed up uh, in, in their doctrine because they haven't understood. What you can't do with the Bible, and it's very difficult even given studies like this, because you really need to understand the Bible. If you take a little bit out and you don't understand the rest of it, you, get, you can end up in Never Neverland where all of a sudden your doctrine isn't what it should be. And so you really got to study the Bible and understand the kingdoms of where we are in God's timing for us to then to understand the rapture and the second coming. So first of all, question really, Israel or the church, the rapture or the second coming? Now there's been many doctrines in the years around there that you know, the church has taken Israel's place you know, and all of a sudden we're part of the tribes and, and God has cut them off. Well, the Bible is quite clear that that's not the case. All right, and we'll see as we go through this. So confusion surrounding the rapture and the second coming is settled once it is determined who the events are for. See, the rapture is an event that was promised to the church in the New Testament. Uh, for this reason, it was not revealed to the Old Testament prophets. A review of the Old Testament reveals that the focus was on the Jews. Okay, but the New Testament, the focus shifts to the Gentiles and the establishment of the church. The reason for this shift was because God temporarily suspended his plan for Israel because they would not accept him as Messiah. See, in Luke 19, 42, it says, saying, if thou, thou hast known, in this, even in thou, in this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, but now they are hid from their eyes. Now, if you, again, if you look at the 69 weeks of Daniel, that little uh, thing underneath, it talks about, the Bible talks about um, the 69 weeks of Daniel, says from the rebuilding of Jerusalem until the Messiah, the King. Now, God expected, Jesus expected, God the Father expected the Jews to know when the Messiah was coming about. There was no excuse. In fact, if you, you know, when you read in the Old Testament, the one rabbi, didn't he, he turned around and said, well, it's expedient for one man to die for the world. They knew the scriptures and God expected them to know. And the difference here was, is when Christ, many times in Christ's um, 
uh, time on the earth, they tried to proclaim him as king. Those around his, his disciples. And every time he disappeared from their midst. But there was one time that he orchestrated. And that was on Palm Sunday, wasn't it? That was the, when he came down upon the hill. He, he arranged the donkey. He arranged to come down the hill. And there was a reason. So the, Daniel 69 weeks says that from the decree of the rebuilding to restore Jerusalem... And we know from history, we know from the history books that the decree was from Artaxas Longiminus, all right, at, on the 14th of March, 445 BC. It said there would be a number of year, number of days, okay, a number of weeks. If you work it out, and, and again, it's all in there, and you can study it as well, there were 69 weeks that Daniel spoke of, all right, times the seven, because they were years of weeks, okay, which was... Um, then you had to times them by 360 days in a year, because that's what it was then. Okay, you come up with a number, and that's 173,880 days. All right, from the time that the decree was given out on the 14th of March to rebuild Jerusalem until the day was 173,880 days. And that was when Christ proclaimed himself as king going into Jerusalem. So God, the Holy Spirit, left no, there was no room for error. On that day, and he said, if you'd have known, that's what he spoke to Israel, that's what the scripture means, if you'd have known in this thy day the peace that would have come upon you. But because you don't, and then that's when he goes up into the Mount of Olives and you hear him saying, I leave your house unto you desolate. Oh, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you as a hen gathers chicks, but you would not. You wouldn't accept it. And from that time forward, see, right up until that day that Christ came down into on Palm Sunday, he was preaching the kingdom. And there's two different things as well. He was preaching the kingdom. He would have taken the throne of his father David. If they'd have accepted him, that's what exactly what he would have done. Because that was what he was supposed to do. But they rejected him. He returned then to the Gentiles because they accepted him. And so it's a fundamental we've got to understand uh, as we get into this. Because they did not know and did not accept uh, him as Messiah, God turns to the Gentiles. In Matthew 23, 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered my children together, even as a hen gathered her chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say, ye shall not see me henceforth, till ye say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. And that's that last bit by there. You won't see me until you say that is when Messiah comes back at the end of the tribulation and when they see him. When he lands upon the Mount of Olives, splits the Mount of Olives in two, and he put, they see Messiah for what he is. They realise what they've done. So from this point onward, Christ turned his attention to the whosoever, the Gentiles and the Jews who would accept him as Messiah. Please understand that the rejection of Jesus by the Jews does not mean that every single Jew rejected him. We know the disciples were Jews. We call them today Messianic Jews, don't we? Mm -hmm. Jews who got saved and believe in Christ. The Jews who don't, God is still their God. But it's in a different format and, and a different understanding. So of all of Jesus' disciples were Jews, and there are many Jewish Christians throughout the world today, and we call them Messianic Jews. So in reference to the Jews' rejection of Jesus as Messiah, Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 11, 11, I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But though through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So God hasn't finished with the Jews. Far, far from it. The Bible is quite clear that we grafted into the vine. And we grafted into their heritage. 
that the God has set up for them. So the Jews are most certainly not finished with. But God has turned to the whosoever. And I thought, let's thank God for that because yeah. we wouldn't be here tonight if, it, if he hadn't. Um, so this verse reveals that God presented salvation to the Gentiles when the Jew reject, Jews rejected Jesus. And the Gentiles did what the Jews did not do by accepting Jesus, the Son of God, believing that he died, that he would die and rose, rise again. And for this, uh, their reward is recorded in 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 to 18. You know, as being caught up to meet with the Lord in the air, it talks about the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those who are in Christ, those who are saved, all right? Refers to the church age saints, Christians. This is a reward because it means Jesus will take Christians out of the earth before having to suffer through the tribulation. And we'll go through the scriptures of why we believe that now. So some incorrectly believe that the church permanently took Israel's place in the eyes of God due to Romans 11. 11. But as stated in the verse, the Jews only stumbled. They didn't fall. We are seeing the fulfillment in our generation of God's promise to Abraham. You know, God will give them back their land. He brought them back in 1948, all right, uh, to, to give them some of the land. It isn't all theirs yet, but their time's coming that when it will be. And it will even be promised, and we'll see as we go through, by the Antichrist will promise the Jews their land back. But as we know, we, he won't keep that promise, and so we'll, we'll see that in a minute. So then let's look at the two major events in God's timetable, the rapture of the church and the second coming of Christ. So we've, we've established that there's Israel, there's the Jews, and there's the church. Two separate entities, two separate futures, really. Those who are the bride of Christ, will, will, you know, those who are saved will be the bride of Christ. The Jews, they're subjects in the kingdom, completely different to the bride of Christ, and we'll see that in a minute. So compare the rapture to the second coming of Christ. We must first understand that the rapture of the church and the second coming of Jesus Christ are two distinct events. These two events are often confused because they are similar. Both happen during the end times and describe a return, and I say a return, of Christ. Yet these are important differences, there are important differences to discern. So the rapture of the church. The rapture of the church will occur when Jesus Christ will return for his church. This is when all true believers in Christ will be taken from the earth by God into heaven. So 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52, it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16, 17. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive, we haven't died, Christ is a physical coming back, we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with him in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be with ever with the Lord. That's talking about the rapture. It's a catching up. We were alive and remain. So the dead in Christ, all our families who were saved, all, they will rise first, and those who are alive and remain will be caught up together to be with the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible says. The second coming of Jesus Christ, then, it says the second coming will happen when Jesus Christ returns with the church. Big difference. Okay, with the church. To the earth to defeat the Antichrist, overthrow evil, and then establish his thousand-year reign on the earth. In Revelation 19, 11 to 16, it says, And I saw a heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon the horse was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he doth judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. 
and he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Christ, that's Christ being with God before he was born on earth, yeah? The same thing, the Word of God, and the armies which were in heaven followed him upon, his, upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp, to, a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron. And he treadeth the winepress of his fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he that hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. See, the Bible is quite clear. There will come a time where every knee will bow, And every tongue will confess that he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And that time is coming very, very soon. So remember in Daniel 9, 21 to the end, it talks, as I've said, about the, the 70 weeks of Daniel, 69 weeks that have already happened from the rebuilding of Jerusalem to the Messiah, the King, until Christ proclaimed himself as King coming down from the Mount of Olives. Until then, there's a 70th week, the last week, the last week, there's a gap. So there's a gap between the 69th week, the end of it, which was Christ coming down, until the start of that 70th week. And that gap is the salvation, really, of the Gentiles. It's the time of the Gentiles that we talk about from Babylon all the way through. Seventy weeks, Daniel 21 says, Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. And again, let's understand it. Seventy, we were talking now about the Jews. And there's a reason it says, it's talking to Daniel. God is talking to Daniel, or the angel is talking to Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people, who is Daniel's people, who is the Jews, okay? And upon thy holy city. We haven't got a holy city apart from heaven. Yeah? Their holy city is Jerusalem. So it's talking to the Jews specifically. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness. Everlasting righteousness will be from the time of the millennium. Because God will come in and that's what he's going to bring in, okay? And to seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Whereupon the throne of his father David. And that's what the Bible says. So who's it to? It's to thy people, to thy holy city, the Jews. To achieve what? To finish the transgression. To make an end of sins, reconciliation for iniquity, everlasting righteousness, seal up the vision and anoint the most holy, which is, goes into the millennial reign. You know, this is why even when we sing things, you know, one of, the, one of the chorus I don't like is these are the days of Elijah. Righteousness being restored. It's not, that's not true. That's a kingdom chorus. The right, righteousness is not being restored. I don't know where. If it is, tell me where it's happening because I'm moving it. Yeah? I see the complete opposite. That, that is a kingdom chorus that is not for, not for now. When they start singing in the millennial, that's a different thing, right? You know? but, but that's not true. Righteousness is not being restored. These are not the days of Elijah. Most certainly not. So we've got to be careful also what we sing and what we believe. So we talked about the, the, the rapture, some scriptures for the rapture, some scriptures for the second coming. And then we need to know when. When is it going to happen? What is our understanding of these two events? Before the tribulation versus after the tribulation. So the great tribulation is a future seven-year period. Now it's a seven-year period, but three and a half years is going to be when the real wrath of God and the Antichrist uh, really rules, and, and, and the terrible things will happen. 
And so it's a seven-year period when God will complete his discipline of Israel and final judgment upon the unbelieving citizens of the world. The Bible teaches us that the rapture will happen before the tribulation. Why? 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Bible is clear. We are not saved to wrath. Or we are saved from his wrath. Now the tribulation is quite clearly, and the Bible is quite clear, this is God's wrath. He will not hold by, in fact, he will pull all of it away. Holy Spirit will be gone because he'll come up with the church. Okay, and the Antichrist will absolutely rule. And then God will pour his wrath upon the earth. And there will be no holding back. To the point where most of the earth, if you start reading it, most of the earth is destroyed. God's got to burn the earth after to, to renew it. Such is the, is, is, the, is the tribulation that comes upon these people. So God has not appointed us to wrath. If we have, then I can tell you, you know, people talk about going through tribulation. Good luck. Good luck. Because if you really understand what the tribulation is about, all right, we, we got problems. All right, but we'll see as we go through this that there's plenty of scriptures that tells us that's, that's not going to happen, that we will be taken out. We're not there for God's wrath. The Bible clearly states that the tribulation is God's wrath. Revelation 3.10, because thou hast kept thy word uh, of my patience, I will also keep thee from the hour of temptation. When shall come upon all the world, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Mm. All right, God will keep us from that. And that's what he's promised. So there's the restraint now, the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Apostle Paul also spoke of the removing, uh, removal of the restraining force before the Antichrist is revealed. In 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 4 to 8. Who opposeth, and this is talking about the Antichrist, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, all that is worshipped. So that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. And now ye know what withholdeth uh, that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he that now letteth, Use the, use the verse, what I put in red. He, only he that now letteth will let until he is taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked one be revealed. And the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. See, the Holy Spirit will be taken out from the church. You know, when Christ, um, when, when talk, Christ, was with, when Christ was with the disciples and he talked, um, and even when he, he left, that the angel said, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you looking up to him for? He shall come in like man as you have seen him go. The Bible says that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Well, if the Holy Spirit is taken out, if we ain't gone with him, yeah. then we end the church, we end the bride. It's as simple as that. Again, we'll see that a bit more in a minute. So the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. And once removed, the evil forces, Satan and his demons, will, allow free, will be allowed free reign on earth. With as much as sin as we see today, things will escalate to an unheard level once the restrainer is moved, removed. Rape, murder, homosexuality and all kinds of abominations will exponentially increase to catastrophic levels. And you know, I, I, I was in bed was it last night, the night before, and you know, as us men do, thinking about retirement and thinking, Lord, you know, when can I finish? And it's just on my mind, I was just counting you know, years up in my mind. And you know, uh, as I, I come to a conclusion, and I thought, you know, I ain't going to see this out. There is no way I am going to see this out. My retirement for the Lord. It can't be. 
the escalation that I have seen myself in the last three years, mm-hmm. if we're all still here in five years, I'll be amazed. I'll, I'll be honest, I'll be amazed. Now, I can't dictate when the Lord's going to come. There's plenty of signs there. But with the increase that we have seen just in the last three years, if you add another five years into the future on top of what we've seen, I would hate to think. Do you know, I was on holiday and I, one of my routines is I like to, um, you know, go down a cafe, have a cup of coffee, buy a newspaper and do the crossword. I bought the Daily Mail three, three days and in the end I didn't buy it again because I got fed up. You see, every single page was about homosexuality, was about uh, the LGBT, was about, uh, you know, children and, and all these other things. And the thing that re- finished me off was when I read an article and it was a main thing in the Daily Mail saying, you know, some parents now are giving their children at three years of age drugs to stop them being what they are. So they can have a sex change when they're, when they're eight, nine or ten years of age. That to me is child abuse. It's as simple as that. Right, but that is where we are. So for me, you know, when I sat down and, and considered my life and considered what I've got and, and my future, it had come to a quick, really, a, an abrupt end. Well, I thought, Do you know, Lord, if I knew it in five years, I'd be amazed. Because the Lord's coming soon. He's got to. If you consider Sodom and Gomorrah and what was there, if, if it ended, it, well, let me tell you, there's worse things happening today. What they weren't doing is they weren't genetically changing kids' sexes and all the other things that they're doing. And that's what we're doing today. So, you know, we, we are so, so, so close. So the restraining of the Holy Spirit is removed and the church will go up with him. The church could not consider on earth, uh, could not exist on earth without the Holy Spirit. And remember, God gave his church a promise in his word. Let your conversation be without covetousness in Hebrews 13, 5. And be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said unto you, I will never leave you or nor forsake you. So God often spared his wrath upon cities and nations due to the presence of the righteous. You know, an example of this is found in the account of Noah, isn't it? And Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. In Genesis 6 and 7, then Genesis 18. God delayeth his wrath and destruction of evil cities until the righteous Noah and Lot were removed in both cases. The removal of Noah and Lot also parallels and shadows the, the coming and the pre, of the pre-tribulation rapture. And we'll explain that in a minute. But once his restraining force, the Holy Spirit, along with the Christians, are removed in the pre-tribulation rapture, the wrath of God will rain down just as it did in the, in, with the flood in Noah's day and Sodom and Gomorrah in Lobster. You know, and he said, didn't he? as in the days of Sodom and, you know, as in the days of Noah and Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. God has set it up. So there's such a things in the Bible as shadow types. I'm sure you've all heard this before. You know, the, one of the most common ones, I suppose, is Jonah and the whale. You know, the Jonah gets swallowed by a whale. He's, he's three days and three nights in the belly of the whale. Christ died and he was three days, three nights in the, in the belly of the earth, setting captivity captive, the Bible says, preaching to the old saints and, and taking the keys of hell and death so, uh, so, so we would be saved again. But there's two really I want to talk about, um, uh, shadow types that, again, gives you a real good idea of, of a pre-rapture, and I believe it talks about that. In God's word, he uses shadow types for us to understand his plans. So in Genesis 5 and 6, Methuselah. Methuselah, as a man, he was the oldest man in the Bible. There's a reason for that. All right, it's God's mercy, and we'll see that in a minute. But he was a, he's a shadow type of the church. He was taken before the flood. And Methuselah's name means his death shall bring. His death shall bring. What, what would it bring? It would bring judgment. Because when Methuselah died, 
the flood came. Noah, part of that thing, Noah was a shadow type of the Jews. They went through the flood. God dealt with them and protected them, but they went through the flood. They went through the judgment. And the Jews will go through the tribulation. All right, those who are not saved, of course. If, like I said, if they're Messianic Jews, they come up with the bride. So, you know, when we stand back and, and people question, I, you know, we've been preaching about the Lord coming for you. He hasn't come for years. Why hasn't he come for you? Because of his mercy. It's his mercy. The Lord's coming has been imminent. I believe, if, if, from what the scripture tells me, I believe in a pre-pre-trib uh, uh, rapture, really, that he could have come any time, because that's what he said. Paul, all of them, look, look forward to it. But God's mercy, he extends it out and out, so people have time to come uh, to, to know him as, as their saviour. Because he's willing, the Bible says, he's willing that none should perish, but all have everlasting life. And that's why, you know, it was the shadow type Methuselah, the oldest man in the Bible, God extended it, extended it. Because why? Because his death would bring the judgment upon the world. In Genesis 23, 24 and 25, Abraham is another good, good one. You know, Abraham the father, you know, a shadow type of God. When Abraham offered Isaac upon the hill upon the you know upon the altar mm -hmm. exactly the father our father you know god the father would offer his son upon the same hill all right for our sacrifice for our sin but abraham is a shadow type of the father offering his son as a sacrifice isaac a shadow type of christ yeah you know we know it's interesting that from the time of uh, abraham offered isaac as a sacrifice, and we know the you know God gave him a, a lamb in the end, okay. But Isaac isn't mentioned until when? Until the next chapter. Uh, in fact, it misses a chapter because it's when Abraham says to his servant, "Go and find Isaac a wife." All right. The next time you hear about Isaac from the time that I, uh, Abraham was going to offer Isaac, the next time you hear about him is when he meets the bride. And that's exactly what the Bible, you won't see me again until you see me coming. He's going to come for his bride. And it's exactly the same shadow type again. A servant, type of the Holy Spirit, uh, went to bring back a wife for Isaac. And Rebecca, again, a type of the church. So God, you don't hear about Isaac from the time of the sacrifice until he comes to pick his bride up. You know, one of the lovely things about that, if you look at it, and, and many preachers, I suppose, we embellish it a little bit, but you can imagine, you know, the servant goes out, he finds Rebecca, and I, she, she accepts to come back with him. And, you know, it's many, many days, I don't know, maybe even weeks' journeys, I don't know how long it took them, uh, to come back to where Isaac was. But you can imagine, you know, Rebecca inquiring about Isaac. So, so what's he like? And you can imagine the servant as the Holy Spirit, well, you want, let me tell you something about my master. You know what I mean? He, he owns a cattle on a thousand hours. There's nothing like it. You know, and, and by the time she, to the, the point where when they actually come to, to Rebecca C and Isaac, they run together. Because the expectation was there. And there's nothing better, you know, really, as, as you know, us as a bride of Christ. We should be wanting to see our Saviour. We should want the rapture to come. And I've heard many things, you know, and people saying, oh, you know, you've got your life ahead of you. I'm not worried about my life ahead of me. I'd rather be with him because there's going to be nothing like him. There should be that excitement. There should be that desire. Again, the Jewish marriage, you know, and I found this really, as I studied this a little bit, really interesting. You know, a shadow type can be found even between uh, the pre-tribulation rapture and a marriage supper and a Jewish wedding. The marriage supper is spoken of in the book of Revelation. It says in Revelation 19.9, Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those that are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. So the marriage supper will occur in heaven. 
Those who are invited will be called blessed because it means they have received eternal salvation through Jesus Christ and have gone to live with the Lord in an eternal state. But this event is called a marriage supper that will celebrate us being joined with Christ uh, just as we have an earthly wedding receptions between husband and wife. But there's a Jewish wedding tradition. And I thought this was really fascinating. You know, during the time of Jesus on earth, once an engagement period had ended, the groom would go to his father's house to prepare a wedding chamber. So he would leave the bride, he'd leave his uh, engaged bride, and he would go and he would prepare a house, build a house, whatever they did, okay? And then he would be, they would expect him to come back at some point. They didn't know when. Now, if, again, you know, if you think about the ten virgins... All right, exactly the same criteria. You know, they were waiting for the bridegroom to come. They didn't know when. They just had to be ready. But I really some interesting things. The bride would know that he would come for her at some point, but did not know when uh, she, but she had to be ready at all times. You know, when the groom returned for his bride, he would take her to his wedding chamber where they were sealed for seven days. And I found that really fascinating. You know, you've got the seven-year tribulation. You know, if it matches, again, it's a shadow type. But, you know, it, it, it's a fascinating thing. If the Lord come before the seven-year tribulation, there's, we, we're locked away with Christ, the bride of Christ, for all the things he's prepared for us. You know, just the similarities are really, really, you know, poignant. Every time Christ gave an example, he used the traditions that they were using. He always used what the Jews were doing. So he told us that he would return. Um, Start again. So after seven days, the bride and groom would exit to a large wedding celebration. It, would, uh, it may very well be that the same event will occur in the Christian uh, relational sense when Jesus raptures the church. He told us that he will return, but uh, a time unknown. So we must be ready. He will take us into heaven to wait out the seven-year tribulation that will be taking place on earth. At the end of the seven years, all of those that were raptured will participate in a marriage supper of the Lamb. Uh, at completion of the supper... We will return with the Lord to defeat Satan in Revelation 19, 11 and 21. And I believe the marriage and the supper of the Lamb will be parallel to the Jewish wedding. You know, the more you more, you just see the parallel all the time. How many days you think you pass on, do you pass on this year? You think yourself, what would we do in heaven end? That tells you, doesn't it? Right. We're preparing to come back Absolutely. as a church. Seven Absolutely. Mm. Exactly. So at any, another thing then, so at any moment, so we talked about pre-tribulation or, or post-tribulation or even mid-tribulation. We believe, I certainly believe the pre-tribulation. And then at any moment versus only after certain prophecies. So the second coming is quite clear in the Bible. And there's many prophecies that have to happen for the end times to, to, to happen. But the rapture, there's never been any prophecy apart from Christ going. When Christ left the earth, from that time forward, really, and the church were born, he could have come at any time. But his mercy, and again, that's what I'm trying to say, this is the God we serve, his mercy has extended him. You, know. you know, the rapture could happen at any time in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and that glorious appearing of the great God and our Saviour, Jesus Christ. That is our hope. Because I can tell you right now, if you're looking at hope in this world, then you, you, good luck. I haven't found any yet. All right, our blessed hope that he's coming soon. And we're going to be with him. And we, we are heirs in the kingdom. And that, you know, the, the, the understanding of going with that is, is quite massive. You know, we will be the bride of Christ. He is the creator of the universe. You, you can't get any higher. 
You can forget the queen and you can forget or you can't get any idea. He's the king of kings. 1 Thessalonians 4, 14 to 18, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel, the trump of the Lord, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And he goes on. And then there's the imminence. The imminence of his coming. You know, that's why it's a pre-tribulation. There's, there's imminence in his coming. He could come today. You know, you've heard me say before, and my father always used to say this, when he used to go to his grand's house in Newbridge, in Hill Street, and, you know, he said, knock the doors, a little, your little kid, you know, and give us a, you know, give us a drink or something. He said, every time we used to go in, she'd open the door, and she'd look out like that, and she'd go, I wonder if he's coming today. The imminence of Christ. And church, we've lost that. And it frightens me, you know, and, and many times I've got to say, Lord, don't let me lose that. Because as soon as you do, you're in danger. Because you're not looking for him coming. And if you ain't looking for him coming, you've got to be careful what you're doing. He's coming. We've got to be ready. We've got to be looking every single day. And it gives urgency to everything that we do. So the imminence. Jesus taught his disciples to watch for his return in Luke 12, 40. Be therefore ready also for the Son of Man cometh an hour when ye think not. See, the command to be ready implies imminence. Throughout the New Testament, the church is told to be ready. In Philippians 3.20, for our conversations in heaven, from whence also we look for the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope, as we've said. In 1 Thessalonians 5.6, therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch. What are we watching for? What are we looking for? The imminence, Christ coming back, okay? So if the disciples in the early church were to expect the coming of the Lord at any time, how much more should we be waiting in keen expectation? You know, they, that's what God, you know, you've got to understand is when the scriptures were coming out, when Paul was preaching to them, he was preaching this. Guys, you need to watch, you need to wait, he's coming all the time. And that was a long time ago, 2,000 years ago nearly. You know, how much closer should, and how much more should we be looking? So the Apostle Paul gave another account of us uh, being taken from the earth to be with the Lord in 1 Corinthians 15, 52, uh, 51 to 52. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We don't all sleep, but we all should be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trump of the Lord shall sound, and the dead in Christ shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Again, we see that Paul is speaking of a resurrection that will occur quickly in the twinkling of an eye. We will be changed in the twinkling of an eye when the dead in Christ shall rise. There will be no corruption associated with their bodies. Uh, they will have glorified and we will have glorified bodies at this point. You know, this is the body that really Christ had, that he could walk through a wall and yet he could still eat, eat and drink with his disciples. It's a glorified body. These accounts from Paul of a common tone, imminence, post-tribulation, mid-tribulation raptures do not have the imminent tone because calculations on timings can be easily made. You know, we know that the seven-year tribulation will begin with the Antichrist when he makes a covenant with Israel for the land in, in Daniel 9.27. If the rapture only occurred at midpoint or at the end of the tribulation, we could easily calculate the event to the day based on when the Antichrist makes the covenant with Israel and they agree on it. Yeah, imminence is displayed in the message that Christ gave to his church at Sardis. Be watchful, strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how ye have received and heard to hold fast and repent. For therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief and you will not know the hour that I come upon you. Again, go back to the 10 virgins. <coughs> they waited. You know, we, we sing the call, keep me oil in my lamp, keep me burning. There's a reason. They were 10 virgins. They were part of the bridegroom, right? They were waiting for the bridegroom. Five were ready, five won. Mm. And, and, the, and the truth of it is, you know, there's a, there's a great danger there. 
they were still bright, but they weren't ready and they were left. The door was shut and there was no way back in. You know, and there's another thing I want to bring out in a minute. You know, we always talk about those who beheaded in the tribulation. They got a different inheritance. And we'll see that in a minute as well. You know, we've got to be very, very careful in what, in what we believe. Revelation 3, 2 and 3, other accounts of his being an imminent event are found in Matthew 24 and Luke 12, uh, etc. It's a reoccurring theme is to watch and be ready. So the second coming won't happen until certain events take place. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 and 4. And again, it's the rapture, the second coming, two different things. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come. What day? The day of, of Christ coming back, the return of Christ. It shall not come except there come a falling away first, and the man of sin be revealed. The son of perdition, who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God. Or that is worship, so that he is God and sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Matthew 24, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. In Revelation 6, 18, and the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, and the chief captains, and the mighty men, and every bondman, and every free man hid themselves in the dens, and in the rocks, and in the mountains, and said to the mountains, and the rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him which sitteth upon the throne, and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. And who should be able to stand talking again about the, the second coming. Mm -hmm. We also need to consider for the abomination of desolation. And that's what God talks about. The Antichrist standing in the temple. Proclaiming himself as God when he does that. So, so what will happen in the tribulation is the, um, the Antichrist will make a, a, a covenant with Israel for the land. And give them back the land. All right, that's what the Bible tells us. Three and a half years into that he will stand in the temple and proclaim himself as God. Then they'll realise who he is. And that's when really the tribulation starts and they all turn, all nations will turn against Israel to fight against them. And we'll see what happens in a minute. So it says there, from the abomination of desolation spoken by of Daniel the prophet to the happen in the temple must be rebuilt. The daily sacrifices must once again be back in place. You know, and the, the, I know that the Jews are talking about that already. They've already got the plans and it's only a matter of time really before that happens. So again, Deliverance versus judgment. This is all trying to prove that the rapture is different to the, to the second coming. They're different events and they're for two different peoples. Okay, so deliverance. You know, we've said it again. It's repeating a little bit, but, but we need to understand. The rapture believes, uh, believers are taken from the earth by God as an act of deliverance. But I would not have you uh, ignorant, brethren, in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, concerning them which are asleep. You sorrow not, you know, even as others which have no hope. You know, when my father passed away, that's the exact verse that the Lord gave me. You know, obviously I was upset and the Lord basically told me off. What are you, what are you doing? Mm. You don't grieve like the world because mm. they got no hope. You've yeah, got yeah, hope. Yeah. He's in paradise. Mm. And there's the difference. Our loved ones that have gone before, they, in they wouldn't come back. Given the choice, no chance. No chance. They call us to be with them. There's the difference. There's that hope, isn't it? For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them which are asleep in Jesus, God will bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remained unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together to be with him in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words why because if we die before the lord comes absent from the body 
present with the Lord. If we're here when he comes, we're going to be with him. Body changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. We've got something to look forward to. 1 Corinthians 5, 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, and I've said it again, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, it's worth mentioning here, and this is the bit that, you know, I, I suppose I've heard all my life, uh, but until I started really considering it and understanding it, I didn't quite grasp it, obviously. But it's just worth note mentioning that we say if a person does not get raptured and goes through the tribulation, that you, he must be beheaded in the tribulation to go to heaven. Right, but that's actually not true. Okay, it says, but we need also to consider that if the wedding or the honeymoon, if you want to put it, of the saints is already happening, then how could a person who has missed the wedding be part of the bride of Christ? Mm. We've always said there's a second chance. If you don't get taken by the rapture, you know, you'll have to not take the mark of the beast and you'll have to die for Christ. But there's two different things. We're already locked away. Mm. We are the bride of Christ. What you will become, you'll be saved. But what you'll become is you'll be a subject in the kingdom. You become part of the Jews' inheritance, which is a subject in the kingdom. They're two different things. Because like I said, we're locked away. The ten virgins, they want a second chance. It was when they come and knock, he said, oh, I never knew you. <laughs> Too late, mate. The door shut. It's gone. That time is gone. It's so, so, so important. Um, so they missed, missed the wedding part of the bride of Christ. The fact is that if you miss the rapture and get beheaded in the tribulation for Christ's sake, then you'll be part of the earthly kingdom, but not an heir to the kingdom. What is, why is that important? Well, we are currently part of the United Kingdom. We are subjects to the Queen. You're a subject to the Queen. I'm a subject to the Queen. But if you were her family, like Prince William, Prince Harry, then you're an heir to the Queen. And there's a big difference. Hey, mum, give us, a, give, us a, give us 10 million. I like that. Plenty, plenty there. Richest woman in the world. Plenty there. You, you, you've, got, you've got the resources. You know, so the bride and the subjects in the kingdom are two different things. And so, you know, it, it isn't a safe thing to say, well, if I don't go up in the rapture, I'll be all right. I'll, uh, you know, the bride, you know, the airship is then gone. That don't mean you won't be saved. That don't mean you won't have everlasting life. That don't mean you won't be, but you'll be a subject in the kingdom. And that's a completely different thing. Completely different thing. And we can see that um, through what God is saying. You know, in the second coming, unbelievers are removed from earth by God uh, as an act of judgment. Unbelievers we're talking about are removed by, on the earth by God by an act of judgment. In Revelation 3.10, because thou hast not kept the word of my patience, I will also I will keep you from the hour of temptation. We talked about that. Talking about um, us. In Revelation 19.11.21, and the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, and, and wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of burning fire and brimstone, and the remnant was slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their the flesh. You know, that's the judgment of God coming down and judging the Antichrist and judging the false prophet, etc. You know, we talk about, it says there, didn't have the mark of the beast. You know, I think it'd be quite clear. You know, Calton uh, was saying the other day, he went in to put some money in the bank in Blackwood the other day and the woman, they didn't actually like, the bank didn't want to take the money um, and, and virtually refused. And it took him over an hour to get, it, get them to actually bank the money that he had to actually put it in the bank. And the woman said, the thing is, we've been told that we don't want to deal with cash anymore. We've been told that within two years, we will be a cashless society. That is the banks that they've said it, that's what will happen, and I believe it will happen. Two years, cashless society. Sweden already cashless, we know. 
You know, I was part of, uh, I was in the industry when I left school of the semiconductors. And um, they're the microchips. And I spent probably most of my career in that. But when I was 20 years of age, I was in Idaho in, in um, America and in a company called Micron. And I remember going in there as a service engineer there. I was out there for six months um, working on some kit there. And I remember the, the boss of Micron turning around giving us a demonstration. And he said, this demonstration, he said, we built a chip and we fitted this chip into my daughter. He said, I'd given my daughter money and told her to disappear anywhere in the world. And he said, we have no idea where she is. And so we're going to follow her. And all of a sudden, they got this computer out and they followed her and they pinpointed her to within a mile. That was when I was 20 years of age, 47. 27 years ago. You know, at 20 years of age, I was going into companies and having retina scans of my eyes to be able to get in through the front doors. 20, 27 years ago. You know, people who, who don't, maybe not in that industry, don't realize where we are now. You know, what we see now, our iPods and our iPhones, when I was 23 in Japan, there was things I was seeing out there, they haven't come out yet. Because technology has gone massively on. And the only reason they're holding it back is money, of mm. course. They, they let it out bit by bit, don't they? You know, so, so they get people's money. But the technology has been there for years. Make no mistake about it, for a long, long, long time. You know, and, 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 and this, this is what we've got to realize, is the technology, this could happen tomorrow. The governments could make decisions and this could go ahead tomorrow. Don't think it's years in the making. It certainly isn't. All right, we're already there. God's protection. Well, we're under God's protection. Other indicators of pre-tribulation rapture for the church are found in scriptures uh, and speaks of the protection of God. Romans 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we are saved from his wrath through him. Some say this could mean Christians will be protected during the tribulation. In the same way that God protects the Hebrew slaves from the plagues, you know, when they were in Egypt. Or in the same way you protect the 144,000 Jews throughout the tribulation, all these other things. Um, in Revelation 7, 1, 8, and that may be the case. But I think it's a clue that Christians will be actually removed. We are told to wait on Jesus and that he will deliver us from the wrath to come in 1 Thessalonians. The Bible makes it clear that those who receive salvation through Jesus Christ are not appointed to wrath. On the other hand, those who do not believe in Jesus Christ will receive the wrath of God. You know, backsliders also warned of the coming doom in 2 Corinthians, you know, 6.14. But those uh, who are watchful of the Lord's return, meaning they are living obediently to his commandments, will be found worthy to escape the wrath of his tribulation. Watch therefore. Pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things which shall come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Luke 21 and Revelation 14 states that those who die in the Lord are blessed and escape the wrath of God. All those verses make it obvious to me uh, that it's not God's plan for Christians to suffer through the, his wrath, um, but only the rejectors of Christ. Meeting in the air. That's the other one. We just sing it, didn't we? There's going to be a meeting in the air in the sweet, sweet by and by. I'm going to meet him. Meet him over there in that home beyond the sky. Such singing there will be never heard by mortal ears. It will be glorious, I do declare. And God's own son will be the leading one in that meeting in the air. You know, meeting in the air versus verse, uh, returning with him. Again, one is the rapture, one is the second coming. 1 Thessalonians, for the Lord shall descend. We've read it numerous times in this study. He's going to come. He's going to pick us up. Okay, the second coming, and his armies were, which were in heaven followed him upon white horse, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. When we come back with him as his bride. 
You know, the Bible says, I think it's in um, Jeremiah, he will stand upon the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives will split into right down through the Golden Gate. And he says the Jews that are left as a third of Jews left would escape through that valley and Christ will rule with a rod of iron. You know, there's a, there's a war coming. And I'm afraid the world, with their arrogance and their stupidity, they can have a big shock. A big, big shock. Hidden versus seen by all. The rapture, according to Scripture, will be instantaneous. Uh, a, a, a hidden event. In 1 Corinthians 15, 50, Behold, I show you a mystery. Same one again. We won't all sleep, but the archangel will uh, shout and we'll be with him. Okay, what they're going to say when we disappear? Who knows? Who knows? They make excuses now, don't they? You know, the aliens have come, uh, you know, or we, God has judged us or whatever it might be. All right, but the truth of it is, it's there for all to see. The second coming according to scripture, behold, he cometh in the clouds. You know, and every eye shall see him and they which pierced him and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of, he, because of him. They will realize who he is and what they've done and their rejection. So a summary, you know, once the church Christians are removed, God will complete his plan for Israel during the seven-year period called the tribulation. This is where at the start of the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist will make a covenant with Israel for the land. And three and a half years into the covenant, the Antichrist will stand in the temple and proclaim himself as God. This is called the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Mm -hmm. At this point, Israel will realize what they've done. All nations will turn against Israel and during the next three and a half years, God will unleash his wrath and allow the Antichrist to bring down the worst persecution the world has ever seen. Two thirds of the Jews will be killed during this time. Then at the end of the three and a half year period when Israel is just about destroyed, um, they will call upon Messiah. When they've just about it, they've given everything they've got and they'll call upon Messiah, the Bible says. And then Jesus will come back as Messiah with his bride, the church, to intervene by warring against all the nations. This is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Israel will finally accept Jesus as the Messiah, mourning for him who they have pierced. In Zechariah 12, 10 um, and, and Revelation 1, 7, it gives these things. And finally realizing their mistake of crucifying Jesus. And the scripture states that the remaining one third of the Jews will accept Christ and be purified. In Daniel 11, Daniel 12, Zechariah 13, the Jews will then be left, enter the millennium, millennial period, okay, with all the land that God has promised to Abraham. You know, that has to still fulfill. God will give them all the land that he has promised in Genesis 15, 18. Satan will be imprisoned in the bottomless pit for a thousand years uh, during the millennial reign, and then he will be released at the end of the thousand years to receive his final defeat of God. You know, there's a little bit at the back there that shows you, and maybe it's not clear, but you can see really where the church ages and where the, where the second coming is, essentially. But, you know, finally, if we are the bride of Christ, and, you know, this is the one thing that, that is, has been on my heart for a long, long time now, um, you know, but if we are the bride of Christ, we should not be shouldn't we be longing to be united with him? You know, the early church used to sing of the day when they would see him, whether by death or by rapture. You know, we watched the video, didn't we, last... Uh, Sunday when David was in the year of, day of, of David Wilkerson and one of his opening statements was when I was brought up in the church we used to do we used to hear about this you know the coming of Jesus Christ all the time they were brought up in it I was brought up in it many of the church have been brought up on this and there was a reason you know it used to amaze me in Newbridge in the church I used to go to they could they could start preaching on anything 
They could preach on creation. They'd always end up in the rapture. I know how they ever got there, you know, but I just always remember them ending up in the rapture because it was imminent. It was on their hearts. It was on their minds. They were looking forward to it. It was their hope that he's coming soon. You know, today we sing a lot of courses, yet hardly any about going to be with him and what he has prepared for us. For the rapture is our blessed hope. And as the scripture tells us, it won't be long. Are you one of the virgins that are ready and waiting to be with the bridegroom? Are you asleep on your lamp? Gone out. You know, when the disciples said, he said, when Christ turned out to them in John 14, he said, let not your hearts be troubled. If you believe in me, you know, believe, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, ye will be also. You know, we have a great inheritance. And, you know, on the back, as I just, as I was studying this, you know, that again, it just floods in because I was brought up like it. I was brought up in the churches that preached it. You know, all of a sudden, all the causes started coming to my mind. And I just put them back. You know, heaven is better than this. Oh my, what joy and bliss. Walking on the streets, solid gold, living in a land where you never grow old. Heaven is better than this. Oh my, what joy and bliss. Jesus saved my soul down here, but heaven is better than this. Oh Lord, you know I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what shall I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. And church, if we feel at home in this world, something's wrong. Something's wrong. I don't feel at home in this world. If the Lord come tonight, amen. Because I'm looking forward to being with Because there's going to be nothing like it. If we read the scripture, the Bible says, I have not seen. Guys, I have not seen. Nobody in this world ever been born in the time of the earth started. I have not seen. He has not heard. It hasn't even entered into the heart. You can't even conceive it. The things that God has prepared for those who love him. You can't even, you can't, you can't grasp it. The Bible says, you, you cannot grasp it. He's coming very, very soon. You know, there's going to be a meeting in the air. You know, in that city, in that city, in that city, built four squares before the kingdom preaching there, but there we go. You know, and then, oh, Beulah land, sweet Beulah land. On the highest mount I stand, I look away across the sea where mansions are prepared for me. I view the shining glory shore, my heaven, my home, forever. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. To find out more about our church, visit www.oakdalechristiancentre.org.